Hello and welcome to NFL Friday, this edition, the first of the offseason. It's March the 19th. I'm Chris Boccia, joined by Nick DeLuca. And it's good to see you, Nick, after a little bit of time uh, off the airwaves. We're back and we're doing NFL Friday. There are no games, but I, I can't really think of much better a time to come on the air besides maybe the Super Bowl or the week leading up to it. This is the week where just all of the dominoes have fallen, the big free agent pieces. Uh, the New York Jets are active. The New York Giants are fairly active uh, teams in their respective divisions active. And so the national football league offseason heating up. Yeah. It's so much fun to dive into all of this stuff because the regular season is always a good time. And you go through all of the things and the matchups and who's going to win each game. And I really enjoy our pick them segment, but this is so much fun in terms of time for the NFL, the start of the new league year as well is, is always fantastic. And, the flurry of moves, and it's so exciting, especially when, for most teams, the 31, there's there's the 32 that's the exception, but 31 teams trying to put themselves in a position to hoist the Lombardi Trophy at some point, and what moves can we make, what improvements can we make to get ourselves to the next level, whether that be you're lost in the championship game, so you want to get over the hump and win the Super Bowl, lost in the playoffs, or didn't even make the playoffs and want to get to that next step so really always an interesting time excited to be here to break it down with you and absolutely a flurry of moves and and more excitement this year probably than most with the cap gymnastics that are going on with a lot of the general managers in the league right and and I have to tell you as a Jet fan you sort of live for the offseason it's sort of your <laughs> season uh and maybe the same for the Bills up until recently it's where if you're a Jet fan and especially this year where we have a question mark at quarterback and not that that's anything new, but certainly when we drafted Sam Darnold a few years back, Sam Darnold a few years back, did not anticipate uh, being ready to replace him this soon, but here we are. Um, so that's a big question around the jets. Uh, but in, in any case, <laughs> this is really the time where the real football fans tune in and, and start to see um, how things shift around and, and football, unlike maybe baseball, you just kind of see it all happen at once. Um, and, and soon enough, it'll be quiet again, and we'll be talking about the draft. But let's start with the Jets, because this is a team that has been one of the most active. They do have the second most cap space. Uh, now that number's reduced because they went out and got Corey Davis, the receiver from Tennessee, three years, $37 million. They go out and get an edge rusher from Cincinnati, Carl Lawson, three years, $45 million. These are pretty big commitments, although only the first two years of each of those contracts are, are guaranteed by the Jets. But the Jets showing a little bit of a killer instinct early, saying we want a receiver. They are betting that Corey Davis, uh, after, let's say, an up-and-down first four years of his career, can really become the guy who was drafted number five uh, in the draft, the same draft the Jets took Jamal Adams. Um, and with Carl Lawson, they're finally making a commitment. And I say finally because it's been so long, making a commitment to the edge I mean, a commitment to somebody who can get to the quarterback. It's been a long time. He's 25 years of age, five and a half sacks last year, 36 tackles. This feels like a big move. The Davis move feels good. The Lawson move feels even bigger for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Two good moves by Joe Douglas and the Jets. Now it's about, again, figuring out the rest of the roster and the quarterback situation. But when you pin down those two moves, I think that they're successful and for around the right amount of money, too. They're not hamstringing themselves going forward. You mentioned a lot of cap space available to the Jets this offseason. But 
I really like the Lawson move in particular, a guy who, as you mentioned, can get to the quarterback. Five and a half sacks doesn't necessarily tell the entire story because he's at the top of the league in pressures, was really affecting the quarterback. If you go back to the Monday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that Cincinnati won toward the end of the season, Carl Lawson wrecked that game. He was all over the film and all over the field for Cincinnati in getting a far inferior team a chance to win with Ryan Finley playing quarterback. If you remember Joe Burrow, of course, out for the remainder of the season towards the tail end for Cincinnati. So Ryan Finley wins a game, and it's their defense forcing the turnovers. Big Ben threw a few interceptions in that game, and it was really Carl Lawson who made a huge difference. So that's the type of potential that the Jets are bringing in and also paying for because they did give him a big commitment and a large amount of money. But I do like that move. It has been an issue for the Jets for a while now. And unless they were going to really break the bank on a Bud Dupree, who I don't think would have been interested in coming to the Jets just because of him being a little bit older in the stage of his career. And at 29, that doesn't really fit the Jets' plan. So he was the top edge rusher on the market. He fit into their timeline as well. So I thought that was a really good move for Joe Douglas in that front office. Corey Davis, a little bit more of a question mark. Are you getting the first four years of Corey Davis? He was better this year. Again, a lot of this will hinge on who the quarterback is. Corey Davis does a lot of things that are good, especially in the deep game. So who is the quarterback? I I think that this might be a signal, although we've gotten a number of them once again, that they are fitting the offense around someone that is not Sam Darnold, somebody who does not throw the ball deep as much you you would think, but it's all going to make, you know, it's hard for a receiver to be dynamic without some semblance of a good quarterback, but on the surface jets, again, that was a hole and they needed receiver. You don't want to overspend or spend on the wrong people. And I think the jets identified two good targets, two younger targets in that sense. I think that's another thing that is really encouraging for them, making the right move in terms of if you're going to give big money to free agents, guys on their second contracts who are younger and perhaps cap casualties for the teams that they're departing. So overall, a good start to the offseason for Joe Douglas, but still a lot of work to do at the quarterback position in the secondary as well. They will have some things to show up, but a, but a good start for the Jets. And, and sticking on that pass rusher theme, You've got a guy like Quinnen Williams who is not necessarily going to get to the quarterback. He plugs the middle, but somebody the Jets did have who does get to the quarterback is Leonard Williams across town. Traded him for a third-round pick to the New York Giants uh, with whom they share a stadium. And uh, at first, that deal didn't look great, and it took a little bit of time for Williams um, to pick it up. But 11 and a half sacks last year, and the Giants are re-upping him three years, $63 million, and $45 million of it guaranteed. And he has become an elite an elite defensive end in this league, uh, and the Jets sort of let him go. So to make up for the sting of that, maybe, they get Lawson. And to me, you mentioned Bud Dupree. I take Lawson over Dupree any day of the week as a Jet, or maybe as anybody. Uh, Dupree older, coming off the injury, and he got five years, $82 million. Those are contracts that I try to stay away from, uh, especially on the defensive side, a front seven guy. They're just they just so rarely work in this sport, unless you're talking about a quarterback. Um, so I like the first two moves. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, but l- let's stick on the Jets for another second. I know I mentioned Williams, but let's go to quarterback because that is really what this whole offseason comes down to. Um, 
and, and perhaps they can add for that prospective quarterback, somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster, but that's uh, only in the rumor phase. We hear the flirtations and we hear Smith-Schuster say he wants to be a Steeler for life, but we'll see how that unravels. On the quarterback, though, uh, Deshaun Watson continues to be um, on anybody's radar who's really paying attention. Don't think that just because the storylines have reduced in number that the Jets are not still on the phone, that any number of teams are not still on the phone with Houston. But another catch here, uh, certainly a shift in things, is that there are lawsuits um, alleging uh, harassment um, and, and, and inappropriate behavior on the part of Deshaun Watson. That number is now at seven, seven lawsuits uh, on Watson. Does it change his market? Um, you know, here's a guy who at the quarterback position brings so much, which we know, but now he's sort of ensnared in a little bit of a personal scandal. Does it change his market, Nick? I think it's important to preface this with this is something that we ought to take seriously, that I take seriously, that I'm confident that the NFL is taking seriously and at least going through an investigation. But to tell you the truth, I don't think it does. Unless there is something that would be a concrete suspension or a place where he couldn't play or, or something along those lines, I think for certain teams who are absolutely starved for a quarterback, they'll still be interested. The, the position is just too important in the scope of sports and, and something that Deshaun Watson could bring to your franchise is, is something that very few players in this league can. And I know that that doesn't resonate well with some people and doesn't sound great, but we've seen it all the time. I, I mean, it's, it's the, the tale as old as time in terms of why was Ray Rice not in the league, but a guy like Greg Hardy got a second chance or, or you know, whomever, Vontez Perfect was in the league. Antonio Brown, what is he still doing around? But it's, it's all about the talent. And, and you hate Kareem Hunt, another one with the Cleveland Browns right now. I, I mean, it's not good. Joe Mixon, the list goes on and on. And, it, and it's not to say that those individual cases don't tell their own story because we shouldn't dismiss the, the people that are involved and also, you know, the personal connection. Has this person rehabilitated himself? I don't know. I mean, I don't know Joe Mixon personally or Kareem Hunt. Has he really gotten his head on straight after such of an issue occurred? I can't, I, I can't tell you that. And will Deshaun Watson do that? I don't know. Has he even done anything wrong? I mean, there are so many question marks with this whole situation. But in, in terms of a market or a franchise willing to take a chance on seeing if he could, you know, turn things around, if there is, in fact, something that has gone wrong here in a more concrete way than we know right now, I don't believe really that it'll change his market. I think there are still teams who, will, who are out there who will say, we'll give you four first-round picks for Deshaun Watson because he's just that much of a franchise changer. And I know that there are some people who don't feel comfortable with that. I, I say it again, I get it. I just have a hard time believing that even with this coming out, if the Jets could make a move for Deshaun Watson, that they would not. I, I just, I don't believe it for a second. I hear you, but I have to take a different angle. Not that it doesn't mean Deshaun Watson can't get a job or that somebody isn't willing to, to trade a good deal for him. But uh, I do think it changes his market. I, I, I think it makes him less attractive. I and mean, the, the character profile of a quarterback is important. We know that teams value this. I value this. Um, 
it's critical. I mean, you can attribute to me so much of this case success of the best quarterback of our generation, the best quarterback ever, Tom Brady, to a really spotless record um, that's given him the ability to come into locker rooms with total confidence. And I say locker rooms plural at this point because he's now come to Tampa Bay and done the same thing that he did uh, in New England six times. So does it matter? It does. Uh, it, it does matter when it comes. It, it not only matters from the ethical perspective of, of how you want to run an organization, period, the end. Do you want to hire somebody in your organization to its most important uh, position? Uh, do you want to hire a general manager who has a spotty record like this? If you run a corporation, do you want to hire your CFO who has a record like this? Probably not. So it's organizationally uh, bad. Um, but it's also bad from a football perspective. And so it does change my position a little bit, but I've felt myself change um, over the weeks and now months of the Deshaun Watson conversation. You said four first round picks. Um, I was getting, I was having a hard time getting around to three first round picks. So uh, get rid of this. And, and I'm still not sure. And I've really changed my tack here because at the beginning I said, go get him. Uh, but maybe this is one thing too many for me where I'm really thinking to myself, are the Jets uh, making the right move if they choose to mortgage their future for a guy who now at this point adds another thing? Um, not that he had other things, but is now at a point where you're talking about the hefty price and I have to think about character here, which I don't want to have to think about with my quarterback. Yeah, it, it's, it is an interesting conversation. And this is a character thing, but also I think knowing the person helps. And it's not to excuse anything that Deshaun Watson may or, or may not have done. Again, we don't know. These are just allegations at, that, at this point, to be fair to both parties in, involved in taking it seriously, but also not saying that, that he's guilty as of yet. Baker Mayfield coming out of college had a similar situation, not with any female, but just off the field issues. He was drunk and running from the cops, and he ended up being the first overall pick, and there was – always talk Colin Cowherd on, on his show is a huge basher of Baker Mayfield routinely for some of that immaturity stuff and a credit right. to Baker Mayfield for growing up a little bit, at least this year under Kevin Stefanski, when he's finally gotten some quality leadership in with the Browns organization. But I, I, that was always something to me. And, and there were always in that pre-draft situation comparisons to Johnny Manziel. And, and where I'm going with this is, I, I do think there is a difference between a guy who has off the field issues and someone who is not committed to, to football. And I think that's where the distinction lies or if those off the field issues lend themselves or, or lend that person in particular to not being committed to football. It was very clear that the off the field issues that Johnny Manziel had with the drinking and the partying were influencing his ability to come in and say, I, I want to be a successful player in the NFL. He wanted to go and, and drink and party and go to Vegas on the weekend and go to the Cavs game during the week of a game and, and wouldn't put in the work to prepare. This was a lifestyle issue. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, I have never gotten the sense, despite a lapse in judgment and a mistake that, that undoubtedly is, is a problem, was not committed to football. I mean, you, you listen to that guy talk, and that guy, you know, lives, breathes, and, and eats football. And I, I don't know because it's hard to get a handle on what type of person Deshaun Watson is. Again, I don't know him personally. But I think that's something also to take into account where, yes, there could be a character concern, but 
is he still committed to football? I, I think those two can be a bit mutually exclusive. And there are some who, who are of the thought that the two are intertwined. I don't know that I necessarily believe that. There is an argument to be made again that it doesn't matter what kind of commitment he has to football because he's done other things. We'll figure that out later. But I don't necessarily get the sense from Deshaun Watson that what has happened off the field influences his football work ethic in that way. So I wouldn't necessarily be worried about that character from a football standpoint. Where I would be worried is, well, if this is true, I just don't want to attach my organization to that off the field baggage. But from a football perspective, I mean, you see what he does on the field. And, and I think that you're getting someone who would come in and be successful. I think the distinction, at least for me, is that I don't think there's a question from the organizations in the NFL that you're bringing in someone who's going to be committed to fo football and be successful. The question is, do you want to attach your organization to this off the field stuff? It's an evolving question, and the Jets at quarterback is an evolving question. And certainly one thing that there is no doubt about is that Deshaun Watson's ability on the football field, what he can do with his legs and, and with his arm, um, are going to help him uh, one way or another, whether it's remaining with the Texans, which at one point seemed impossible, now seems a little bit more possible. But one way or another, you're right. Um, his ability on the football field will prevail, um, for better or worse. And, and I have to say that right now with what's stacked up against him, it feels um, like a bit of a shame that, that he would not be hurt by something like this. But we will see. Uh, it's too early to say anything definitive. But sticking on the Jets for one more second here and going to quarterback, staying on quarterback, I should say, Sam Darnold, uh, his stock has just declined. I don't think the Jets have um, put any effort into sort of you know, rejecting or denying the fact that he is on the block. Um, they, they're not shying away from it, which doesn't mean that they will trade him because they're going to want to get what they think they should get. But it does mean that symbolically, at least, they're not putting the support behind Sam Darnold the way they have the previous two years to say, this is our guy. And that's for the right reason. There's really no, he gives you no reason to say, this is our guy. But with that being said, if he is in a jet uniform, there's just a whole lot of pressure on his shoulders, and that's for the better. But whether he's dealt or he stays, it's a different dynamic with Darnold at quarterback and whether Watson's the solution. We can talk about the number two overall pick, uh, as I'm sure we will uh, as we get closer. There's Zach Wilson there. There's Justin Fields there. There almost certainly is not Trevor Lawrence there. But the Jets just have a quarterback mess again, and right now it is a very open conversation. Yeah, I saw a tweet this week that I found really interesting, Matt Lombardo, an NFL reporter, said he was asking around on Darnold, and, and this is his tweet. The sense I got from scouts, coaches, and executives is that the perception of him among fans and some of the media is significantly higher than those inside the league. He stinks, bro, this in quotes, says one offensive coach in the AFC. So that was resounding and pretty interesting to me because – I got to tell you, I, I tend to side a little bit with that coach. I got, I just, I got to say, and it's not to say that he can't play. And, and I've made the comparison a few times to him and Alex Smith as a guy who's talented, but I don't think he's ever going to be some elite of the elite quarterback. I just don't see those elite traits. He's got good movement, not great. He's got a good arm, not great. And he hasn't shown it. And, and I know 
that the situation around him has been terrible. But you can't win two games. If, if you are a good quarterback in this league, how can you win two games? And I know that Adam Gase is brutal. I, I get that. And the play calling and, but, and the defense wasn't great. And, and the roster set up for him to fail from the get-go. I understand it. But how do you, as the starting quarterback of a team, if you're worth anything in terms of being a real bona fide franchise quarterback, are you going to win two games? You know, two and 14? I just, I, I don't see it. I think the Jets absolutely should move on. I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. I think Joe Douglas, who's got a good handle on this team and on this organization is going to do that. In addition to any of the monetary issues that will come down the road here pretty quickly with a fifth year option, with a potential contract extension that will be above of what the, the Jets could pay a, a rookie and likely above market value just because of the nature of the quarterback position. I, I think the Jets are absolutely making the right decision because you, you got to figure it out. And, and that's how teams win consistently. And there's always the goal of winning the championship. Yes, I understand that. And you want that 100%. But there also is something to be said for sustained success. And the teams that have done that have the elite quarterbacks. That's the Tom Brady. That's Aaron Rodgers. That's Patrick Mahomes. Those are the guys that are leading their franchises. I, I would argue, again, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen on that track. Russell Wilson in the same way. Those are the guys that are giving teams great opportunities to win. I just don't ever see Sam Darnold being that guy. I'm not saying you couldn't win with him, but you would feel like you would need a type of 2015 Denver Broncos defense or a really good situation around him, a 2019 San Francisco 49ers with Shanahan and Salah and a really good defense and the weapons around him and a really good running game and a quality offensive line. I, I just don't see him being an elite of the elite quarterback. And I think in particular in this division, you better find one because you've got some good organizations that are on their way. Allen and the Bills aren't going anywhere. Belichick is making moves. We'll get to him in a second. I don't think he's done. I think they might be gearing up to draft a quarterback. Dolphins are in a really good spot talent-wise. We'll see if Tua works out. I'm not – as down on him. I don't think he's great, but let's give him another year at least. So the Jets better figure this thing out quarterback-wise, or you can make great moves with Carl Lawson and Corey Davis and bring in Juju or sign Le'Veon Bell for crying out loud and C.J. Mosley. It doesn't matter if you don't have the quarterback position figured out, and I, I think they're smart to look elsewhere. He does stink. There's no question. The quote is, is right. I mean, anybody who's watched enough of him uh, has recognized this, uh, and 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 I, as the Jet fan, was probably in denial for a few games too long. But pretty much by uh, the end of the first half of this season, I was saying he he stinks. He just stinks. I mean, you just I, you said good arm. I think that's a charitable description. I don't even know if it's a good arm. I think he moves okay, sure, but 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 I'm really past the point of even evaluating his game because we did it 16 times this year on NFL Friday. After every time the Jets played him, we, we didn't come around ever saying I don't think we once said, "Oh, he looked good this week," uh, because you're right. When you win two games, you just are basically never looking good. Since his rookie year, you haven't come away from a game saying, "Wow, we feel like we might have something here." I don't believe it. No. And maybe I'm watching the wrong games or the wrong angles or the wrong tape. I don't know, but I'm, I'm out. And I think Douglas is right to do so. He is. I mean, the Jets, 
might be better positioned if they talked about him more highly to get a better package, but, but perhaps that's just not true. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the, 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 the tape is out there. Everybody knows the script on Sam Donald. So if you're trading for him, you're probably trading for him as a backup because he really is that caliber. He's going to follow in the, in the steps of somebody like Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota of recent draft classes who just, they just are flat out busts. Um, and, and it appears to be the case for Sam. What they do at number two, we'll stay on that conversation in the weeks to come as we get closer to draft day, because that is the big question. Um, on the other side with the Giants, we, we hit on Williams. I want to get your thoughts on, on Williams. We know they're in on Kenny Galladay. We haven't heard anything there. Um, the Giants, their priorities, what they've done so far, your thoughts. Williams had to be done just to give them some salary cap flexibility for this year. And I like that move. So as much as the cap number might scare you or the contract and even the guaranteed money may give you pause, Leonard Williams has earned it. And that is on par with what he is in a top interior defensive lineman in the NFL. And as a defensive tackle, guys don't come around all that often that are getting 11 and a half sacks and disrupting the quarterback in the way that he has. And also just being a force and an anchor on a defense that was really good. I mean, that was the, the Giants calling card for this entire season. And it was Leonard Williams who was really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And James Bradbury was a really good addition. Blake Martinez as well for them in the middle, I think helped. But Leonard Williams was, was, as I just got done talking about Carl Lawson, an absolute game wrecker. For them, the win in Seattle, I think, is the game for Leonard Williams, where he was absolutely outstanding in pushing the pocket and getting to the quarterback and making things difficult for, in that case, a shorter quarterback in Russell Wilson. But Leonard Williams meant a lot to that defense, means a lot to what Joe Judge and Patrick Graham want to do on that side of the football so it was a move that had to be made. And then it opens up the flexibility for them to make other moves. I'm interested to see what will happen with Kenny Galladay. I think that is a big move for them if they are able to bring in a top-flight wide receiver to really get a firm evaluation on Daniel Jones because the weapons have not been up to snuff and Saquon Barkley has been in and out of the lineup. And I feel like that would give them a solid attack on offense I got to tell you, I'm not necessarily sold on the plan that they have offensively with Jason Garrett calling the plays. As of right now, I wasn't terribly impressed with what he did last year. And there are some who called for him to be moved on from by the Giants organization after last year. We'll see what happens for Jones in year two. But this is a big year for Daniel Jones because it wasn't as good as it was with Pat Shermer. I mean, he regressed. There's no doubt about that. And the Giants are trying to get him back on track. And if they can, I think they're a playoff team. I think they are. They were very close. They're in a difficult division, or rather, we're in a very non-difficult division uh, a season ago. And, and we're still almost in a position to make the playoffs with a difficult record of 6-10. and 10. So I, I think they're in a, a good spot right now. I think Kenny Galladay would help. I like the move in addition of Kyle Rudolph as someone who is more flexible for them, probably will fit Jason Garrett's system a little bit better as someone who can also at least attempt to be a blocker in the way that Evan Ingram was not, perhaps catch the football a little bit better 
than Evan Ingram did. So I would assume that they'll move on from him. But I'm interested to see what happens and, and comes of the Kenny Galladay situation. Because I think with him and the addition of Rudolph and uh, shoring up that offensive line as well, and, and Nate Solder will be back potentially in the fold for them with a young offensive line, Will Hernandez and Andrew Thomas as well, see if he can get better with a Saquon Barkley returning. I think this is a team that could make the run, make a run at the playoffs if they're able to get Galladay. So I think so far, so good for Dave Gettleman. I agree with you. And I think it does take more from Daniel Jones to become in the playoff mix. But this is the year, much like Darnold's last season, where he's got to take that step. Galladay goes a long way to doing it for him. And Barkley goes a long way. Getting Barkley back uh, helps a ton, too, there. So I agree that the Giants can be competitive, but Kenny Galladay is really a key to that for me. This is not a small move if they make it. He potentially is the biggest free agent to change hands if he goes from Detroit to New York or from Detroit to Chicago. I just think he makes such an impact on either of those teams, 27 years of age, and can potentially unlock the potential of somebody like uh, a Daniel Jones. So Giants in the mix, I think, in that sense. But there is work to be done. Galladay goes a long way. Speaking of teams that are going to make a splash, and the Giants would absolutely join that category if they go get Galladay. That would probably put them past what the Jets have done um, in terms of their financial allocation. It's the New England Patriots. It's been all about the New England Patriots, and we've got to get into them. We should note that they lose the offensive guard, Joe Thune, to a big deal uh, with Kansas City. But they go out, they get two tight ends, Hunter Henry, uh, John U. Smith. On defense, right, they go out and get Matt Judon. So this team has been incredibly active. Uh, Bill Belichick says, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. I had one bad season. I can't tell you how many people have told me. I think the Patriots are done. I, I think this is it for them. Brady's gone. They, you know, they, they obviously took a massive step back. They'll be drafting in the first half for the first time in my lifetime, probably, uh, or at least my lifetime watching football. But that really, you got to be pretty naive to think that Bill Belichick's just going to go away. Um, he, he goes out and he, and he brings back Cam Newton, of course, um, which is sort of the interesting one, maybe the shocking one. But never count this guy out. That, that's just really the biggest mistake you could make. He's going to have a good draft position. He's already go got those two tight ends that we know he loves, and I'm sure he'll make Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, uh, both young guys, by the way, 26 and 25, respectively. Um, you were right to say that the AFC continues to be formidable, and the Patriots are right there in that conversation. Well, I guess call me naive, because that's where I'm going with this. I mean, I know the Patriots are going to have a better roster, and it'll help them. They'll win more games and maybe knocking on the door of the playoffs, but I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of a lot of what New England has done, because to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I know that they've got a first half of the first round draft position, but there is nothing in the world that tells you with reasonable expectation that Bill Belichick's going to hit on that pick at all. They all just right. signed two tight ends, right? They just signed Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. I'm old enough to remember in the 2020 draft when the Patriots took two tight ends in the third round. Can't play. Move on from them. We, we screwed it up. I, that's all I'm saying. So I, I get oh, it. On. I know, I know that everyone loves the, the, the money being thrown around. Look at Bill. And it's, it's amazing to me. And, and this is what the, the Patriots are doing. 
okay? Th this is what they're doing. Bill Belichick wants a lot of versatility. And quite frankly, it to me reeks of his arrogance and thinking that he can just outsmart everybody in today's NFL. But he likes Judon because he's an edge rusher and also a, a linebacker, can play multiple positions. They signed the defensive back, Jalen Mills, who's played corner, safety, nickel linebacker. They like Aguilar because he can play in the slot and outside. And they, they, they like Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith because it gives them the ability to run out of 12 personnel. I just don't think you win that way in today's NFL. I don't think you confuse people like you are Alabama playing against Texas State. I just don't think it happens anymore. I think the players and the coaches are just too smart. And obviously, they'll be better. Like, it's not to say, okay, well, well, we're not good at tight ends, so we shouldn't just go sign somebody. But doesn't $25 million a year for two tight ends with a quarterback who you think is going to probably be more involved with the running game or you're drafting somebody? And I guess if that's the plan, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm inclined to think so just because nothing else really makes sense. But you're paying those two guys $25 million next year combined to block for Cam Newton? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. And we talk about this all the time when we just got done talking about it with the Jets. Good move to sign Carl Lawson. Good move to sign Corey Davis. But who the hell is going to play quarterback? That's a big deal, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm sorry. Cam Newton threw for eight touchdown passes last year. And I know he likes to post his cool workout videos. And, and if you've been anywhere on social media and you follow Bleacher Report, he's working hard, guys. Good for him. But a lot of people work hard in the NFL. There, there is something to be said for finding some results. And Cam Newton was woefully, and I mean woefully underperforming with the New England Patriots. I know the weapons weren't there, but their offense was brutal. I, I just don't see – I'm not counting them out. Maybe I'm a little harsh here. I think they can still win seven games. They can win eight. They can win nine. But are they in any way a threat to make a run in the postseason? Absolutely not, because they will not get consistent enough quarterback play. They may be able to run the football. But I guess, I don't know, maybe I am down on Bill Belichick, and he's done an ex excellent job for a long time. But w with what he has done as an executive, it, it just, they enough. There's a reason Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay. There's a reason. Because Bill Belichick was not able to, you know, instill confidence in a quarterback that's the greatest of all time to where, hey, we'd, we'd be in a position to really turn things around. I, I, it, there's a lot of money being thrown around. The Jets threw a lot of money around a couple off seasons ago. They signed Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, and they went 2-14. and 14. I know Mosley opted out. Look, Bell got cut. I mean, what, what, if, what if Judon doesn't fit into the Patriot way? I, I just – there's a lot of money – I don't see it going to a whole heck of a lot of results. I got to tell you, Bill Belichick, to me, has a right to some arrogance. I mean, I, I, I just – I think here's a guy who, yes, he, he, he can figure out a way to do it in a different way from other people. I, I think we'd be crazy to sit here and, and not uh, give him the benefit of the doubt there. Now, you make good points about the recent Hasn't track Hasn't done it record. away from Brady. I, that's a huge luxury no, to have, the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm it, just throwing it, it out there. 
And don't get me wrong, the paradigm has shifted on where we place the, the praise. Don't get me wrong. After he went and won in Tampa Bay, we've all shifted our thinking a little bit there. But doesn't take away from the genius of Bill Belichick. Um, and I know he hasn't done it away from, from Tom Brady, but he kind of has. Did it with Matt Castle, right? And also the only other quarterback to ever suit up in a, in a uniform um, under his head coaching time uh, has been now Cam Newton for one season. So not a, not a whole lot uh, to evaluate there in terms of the body of work beyond Tom Brady, and they couldn't have had more success together. So I do give him the benefit of doubt. He is not above criticism. You make good points on some of his recent failures. The Tom Brady thing looks like a, a massive failure. Looks like a massive failure. But again, we don't really know the whole story there um, about who sort of said I'm out. Now, you, you mentioned two third-round picks at the tight end position. I, I don't really think that's uh, – you can cite that, but you, you can't put that next to Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, two proven guys at the position. No, I'm say not saying they're going to be busts, but how do you – you just threw away two third-round picks. So I'm saying they oh, don't put that any strong stock all the time. into their draft. I mean, look, what third, I'm just saying. Look, third-round picks you get – trade in terms of a veteran? Right. If you want one player, if you want a player who's on the trading block, what could you get for a third round pick? Uh, DeAndre look, I, Hopkins went for a second. Third round picks are valuable and you should hit on them, but let's not pretend that they don't miss all the time. I mean, I, I'm sure we could go down the list and compare Bill Belichick's track record. They in don't the third miss round. in a year. They don't miss in What's a year that? where you pay $25 million to two guys to replace the guys that you previously drafted I, a year ago. I, 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 I've seen it bad to me. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't look good, but I, I'm sure we could go down the, the line on Bill Belichick's third-round picks compared to his counterparts around the league. And I, I don't know these off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure we would find that he's had success in the third round. I know he's had success in the second round and a lot of success in the first round. This is the highest he'll be drafting in a really long time or maybe ever. So let's see what they do. I, I think, you know, you're right. I'm not going to sit here and defend Cam Newton. How could I? I watched him play last year. I, I don't think anybody mm -hmm. in their right mind would do it. So I I'm not going to do that. Eight, actually, and three of them were in week 17 against the Jets, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it's five and 16 games or 15 games. It's, it's eight. It's eight. It's eight total. But yeah, you're right. You're right. He was terrible. He was, he was worse than terrible. Um, so that's the one that surprises us all. And it sounds like, and you have a point here where Bill Belichick's trying to outsmart the rest of us, but he might just be wrong here. Um, in, in any case, I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done at quarterback. I, I, I think you're right to say they may draft one. And then at that point, you can change the whole thing. If you get, if you get your next quarterback, then forget about it. Um, I'm probably placing a little bit more trust in the Patriot model. And, and look, I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. We're, we're both fans of the other AFC's teams, your team knocking on the door a lot more so than mine. And, and I hope, I hope for our sake that you're right. Uh, but let, let's do one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let me just say, finish up on this. Bill Belichick, I, I do agree with you, has earned the right to be arrogant. But it's a lot easier to be arrogant when you have the greatest quarterback of all time at your disposal to – be that safety blanket when things don't go as well as you might think. He's operating on a level that is equal to the rest of the NFL now. Doesn't have that quarterback. Needs to make each and every move count and work around a quarterback who's not great. So he's earned the right, but I would tell you, just be careful because there are a number of these moves and a lot of money being thrown around. Good luck. That's all I'm saying.
All right. I'll, I'll give you the last word here on the Bills because we like to work them in uh, if you're on the show. They go get Trubisky. He's a backup quarterback. What do you say about this? What do you say about Josh Allen? I know he wants an extension. Your thoughts there? Well, Allen's extension, their general manager, Brandon Bean, said is not going to come until the spring to summer just because they're not sure exactly what the cap is going to look like and, and what the rest of their roster is going to be. And Allen has been in constant communication with them. And to me, the ultra, ultra team player. So I think that there's no issue there. Trubisky is interesting. I think it was somebody who was just not seeing much of a market and felt if there's anywhere to go and rehabilitate my career, no one has improved more than Josh Allen with this coaching staff over the last couple of years. Really, there, there is not anyone in the NFL that has improved more than Josh Allen has. So it's Trubisky, a similar player, as that really strong arm, not to the level of Allen, has that really has decent mobility, not to the level of Allen again, but somebody who is a similar type of player. Josh Allen has really come in and improved his touch and accuracy. And I think Trubisky, somebody in his perspective, trying to come in and learn that for the Bills, a one-year flyer, it gives them an opportunity to bring in somebody who's better than their previous backup in Matt Barkley, who has won 29 games and has the ability to just come in and potentially keep the ship afloat if Allen were to miss time due to injury. I, I think it's a, a good move as, as much as Trubisky would play, but also the contract has to be right. And he's, he's signed for about two and a half million dollars. So nothing crazy there. That's Nick DeLuca's word on his bills. Uh, we're keeping our eye around the league. We're looking at Deshaun Watson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll see um, if other shoes drop in the weeks to come. This has been our first edition um, of the off-season session, if we will, of NFL Friday as we build up to draft day and then to another season. Um, and we'll be back with you then. Uh, but next week, we'll come back to you with NFL Friday. Thanks for listening to this hour with Nick DeLuca. I'm Chris Boccia. This is NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.